Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Hawks fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this Saturday morning, afternoon, wherever you may be. It might even be evening. Some of our friends out in the UK and and the Nordic states that tune into the show weekly. We appreciate you guys as always. We got a good show for everybody today. It's almost time to get into the trade talk, rumor, speculation surrounding pre-agency and draft day. And we have very special guest, Lyle Richardson from Spectres Hockey, always on top of the latest trade rumors. He's joining us as in our featured guest segment in the, in the second part of the show. Um, first thing we're going to do, we'll go down the Vegas lane and we're going to look at the Vegas Golden Knights 2019 NHL draft, how many picks they have and uh, who we think might be available there at the first pick. Chris, good day to you, sir. Hey, we doing there, buddy? Yeah. So the, the you know the the Knights, uh, they have their own picks in rounds one, two, and three. Uh, round one is 17th overall, which is going to get a good player there. And then they have Nashville and Winnipeg's pick in round three. So the second half of round three, uh, they have uh, actually they'll have three picks pretty close together their own yeah, they will. Winnipeg. And so interesting to to note, uh, I thought a good uh, topic to discuss regarding the draft um, is this kid, Spencer Knight. Now, Spencer Knight is the only goalie with a first-round grade. Uh, the people who really like him a lot, or I should say his feeling is one of a franchise goalie, if you will. Uh, it takes a it takes a pretty in this in the last number of years I want to say, it takes a pretty high ceiling for a goalie to get a first round grade from what I can remember. Yeah. In fact, the next goalie rated in the draft I think is like a late second round grade. There's a big difference between Knight and the next guy on the on the list. And you know, reading up for our big draft show, uh, mock draft show on June 15th with. Mark Scheig and Dan Harrington joining in the fun. Um, Knight is a guy that could go anywhere from the middle of the first round to the end of the first round. So there's a really strong chance that when George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon are on the clock at 17, Spencer Knight is going to be on the board. And for me, you have Marc-Andre Fleury signed for the next three years. It seems like the perfect – well, I shouldn't say the perfect guy. It really comes down to how they evaluate him, right? But if they have him higher on their board, to take Knight, have their goalie of the future in the system, three years of development, by the time Flurry going to be at that point, what, 37, 38, give or take, somewhere in that range? Do I have that right? 
Uh, he'll yeah, be at the yeah. end of that contract. You know, it could be kind of the handoff for Knight. Uh, and that's a name I would uh, I would really uh, – I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Another guy to, to keep in mind, and it will be a familiar name, and let me get his first name. I know his second name. And, of course, I can't find it. And that is Wait. Suzuki. Not Nick Suzuki, who the Knights drafted, uh, what was it, 12th or 13th overall in their first draft, but his brother Ryan. So that's another guy who's a possibility uh, for Vegas at 17. But uh, what do you think about uh, Spencer Knight? I think, and I was just looking through, pulling up the order, trying to find out uh, if Winnipeg and Nashville slots are put into the first round yet. I hadn't found it, but I came up – across a bleacher report mock draft that showed Spencer Knight going to the Vegas Golden Knights, oddly enough. (laughs) Excuse me. Look, 6'3", 200 pounds. He just now turned 18. I mean, he could top out 6'4", 6'4 215 pounds. Prototype size, um, ready to go to Boston College. You know, a hockey factory that Boston College is. Um, highest ranked North American goaltender from the NHL scouting com, com not combine, but the NHL scouting bureau. The the pipeline in goaltenders, you do have Danskin legacy. Um, I don't know if there's a belief, and I guess we'll find out soon if if uh, Malcolm Subban gets re-upped here in the free agency cap crunch that the Knights are facing, what their belief level is in him, but. They have young Dylan Ferguson in the pipeline. I don't know if the organization believes that they have the heir apparent to Mark Andre Fleury, as like you said, three year, three years, four years down the line. Um, Spencer Knight looks if he's on the board, I would I wouldn't be su- at all surprised if he's a Golden Knight. Um, there's no, I don't I don't see that that you have serviceable goaltenders maybe as as Danskin legacy um if they don't rehab Subban we'll we'll see the writing on the wall there and one of those two guys will will most likely move into the backup slot next season but I don't know if their ceilings are are you know believed in if you will to to be the guy who's going to carry the franchise for the next 10 15 years whereas uh, a Spencer Knight if his if he, if he pans out and his his under 18 international play. Um, very good. Two silvers and a bronze. So, you know, right there. I, I think that would be the pick. I think your your pipeline at center, including who you have on your NHL roster and Cody Glass, solid. You have good pipeline on the wings, and, and your wingers are all young. They're going to be around for – it, you know, with the exception of Pacioretty, but then you think, okay, can Gusev move up to the second line in three or four years if Gusev is the decision at third line? Um, so I, I don't think you need to go winger at that spot, and I think their defensive depth is, is good in the pipeline when you look at White Cloud, Haig, some of the other guys they have in Chicago. I think goalie's the way to go with that pick. If you if you have a chance to take the highest ranked goalie in the draft, uh, I think I think that's a good call by you, Chris. I think you do take Spencer Knight number seventeen overall. 
Yeah, I mean, again, it also comes down to how they, you know, obviously they are scouting every team. They're scouting staff, and, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, if for whatever reason uh, Vegas – uh, or, uh, you know, the team picking at 16 or 18, what whatnot. Like, let's just say Ryan Suzuki, and they love him to death, and they're higher on him than most other people. Then you take the guy that's highest on your board. I mean, that's that's the that's the rule of thumb. But uh, all things being somewhat equal, this would seem like, this seems to be right around the spot he would he would go. Yeah. He has a high ceiling. Uh, you know, goalies take time, so and you don't have to rush him, obviously, with Flurry signing for the next three years. And uh, I, I think Flurry, as long as he stays healthy, is a pretty safe bet to be uh, a, a top, a, a top-notch, strong goaltender. So it gives you plenty of time to, to develop him. Um, it seems like a really great fit all the way around. Yeah, now, I guess, I guess the only danger. I don't think there's a huge danger in looking at the teams at 13, 14, 15, 16 taking him. But the only danger is, you know, someone else, if we're, if, if we're smart enough to figure out this is a strong consideration for Vegas, <laughs> then it, if someone's yeah. picking whatever, 22, 24, whatnot, uh, and says Moving to themselves, up. yeah, I like, let's say you're L.A. Kings, who I think have the 22nd overall pick. So someone like that trying to move up to 15 or 16, give up a pick, and if they love Spencer Knight, to me that's that would be probably the bigger danger if Knight not, not winds up uh, not being on the board, uh, a move like that. But I, 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 got a, I got a feeling this is, a, you know, this is a McPhee move. Remember a couple of years ago when McPhee was one of his last drafts in Washington, he took the Russian goalie Samson off around 2021 uh, overall, and he's one of the better prospects in the sport. So, yeah, I I, I would uh, I would be if I was a betting man, I would say there there's a better chance than not that Spencer Knight will be the Knights' pick at 17. The other reason I like the pick is because the the Vegas Golden Knights goaltender coach has been, you know somewhat of a, a goalie whisperer, if you will, with, with, if you remember last year when, when Flurry went down and missed all, all that time with his concussion, um, he, he, Dave Pryor worked with Dansk and Legacy and Subban. And remember, Subban was a throwaway yeah. from Boston. It just bye-bye, you're on waivers, get out of here. And, you know, turned, turned him into a serviceable backup goaltender from the, basically the, the rubbish heap in Boston. Um, I believe he was a first round pick by Boston and to, to, I mean, I think two years removed to go ahead and put your first round pick on waivers that, that tells you what Boston thought of the player. And so Dave, Dave prior to get a, a a guy with size, speed, athleticism, all, all the tools to, you know, put his ceiling at being a franchise goaltender in the, in the NHL scouting bureau notes, then, you turn him over to Dave Pryor for rookie camps and, and camps for the next three years. Uh, I, I, this just seems to be like a, a perfect fit. Like, like you said, um, there's some teams, you know, New York might, depending on what their Russian prospect does, might want to trade up for the heir apparent to Heinrich Lundqvist. Yeah, the Kings they, there. They, they, oh, the Rangers. 
No, the Rangers. Yeah, yeah the Rangers and the Islanders have uh, both uh, guys in their pipeline, and I don't think they want to give up the ammunition to move up. Especially in the Islander case, they don't have a third or fourth round pick. You know, to move up even just a few spots in the first round, you, you got to sweep. It's going to probably cost you. Yeah, it's going to cost you probably a two, and if not a two, then you know a couple of threes kind of thing. And in the Islander case, they they don't have a three and they don't have a four. And so if they were to trade their two, then basically the first half of the draft, which, you know, the second half of the draft, you could find players, obviously. But let's be honest, it's 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 not easy. I mean, I look at it that if every draft that you could find one player around five through seven, like a good player, everyone would sign off for that. Um, for sure. So, you know, you want to hit on your on your you want to hit on your first round pick. Have it be a good player, and then rounds two, three, and four. I think you want to you want to hit at least on two of those rounds, and then in the late rounds, five, if you get six, one, seven, you're, fine. you're kind one. of fortunate. So every draft, right? Every draft, if you could be adding. No, we're not talking about superstars here, uh, but you know, for the most part, adding four players to the mix every year from your draft, if possible. But. Uh, uh, yeah, I got I got a feeling it's I, I you know I mean uh, like you said, Bleach Report had him at at uh, taking Spencer Knight. He's gonna go in that. I I don't think he's gonna last. Um, I could see the Kings taking him too at twenty two, because that's the pick yeah. they got for Muzzin. I yep. if he's still on the board there, I don't think he. I don't. Think I don't think he, he goes past, past that at all. I don't think he goes past the Kings. Ottawa. Ottawa. Yeah, they got a young goaltender that they like from uh, from Pittsburgh in one of the trades they made with them. I forget which one. I want to say his name is Gustafson off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, – and they only have one first-round pick. So that would be uh, – but I, I definitely – I, I would think that uh, your boy Rob Blake would would be uh, very happy to take Spencer Knight with, uh, with his second first-round pick. The other thing you can think about too, Chris, is if uh, Cody Glass is tearing up the playoffs in the AHL right now, um, if if in their cap cleansing of the roster in order to sign William mm-hmm. Carlson, the Golden Knights decide that Cody Glass is going to be ready to play third line center next year, then as part of a package, say they want to move up to thirteen or twelve to make sure, you know, Arizona would always be in the market. If you could move up to Minnesota's spot or Florida's spot and package a Cody Eakin or an Eric Halla, you're you're killing two birds with one stone on draft day. You're shedding salary and you're moving up the draft and you're getting the goaltender that you like. So then that's a good point. I wouldn't be surprised. Or if there's another – or if there's a player in the top – 12 or 13 that they like. That you really like. That yeah, helps. for sure. Yeah. And I, I would I would totally think, and, and I, I saw something this week that McPhee is going to run the whoops um, that he's going to be running things through the draft as general manager. So yes. McCrimmon, McCrimmon's duties don't uh, yeah don't kick in until like the calendars the the season next year, so I, I won't be surprised if next 
you know, the top six will be set because they're going to sign Carlson. If they, if, if they start the season next year with a Gusev glass tuck third line, that'll mean Hall is gone. That'll mean Eakin's gone and probably Miller's gone. So we're going to see some of these young guns come up for the Golden Knights and take those roster spots. And since our good buddy Lyle Richardson is joining us from at Spectres Hockey on Twitter, SpectresHockey.com, we can go right ahead and ask him who are the favorites for the Golden Knights in their salary cap cleansing that you're hearing are going to be on the move this summer. Lyle, are you there? Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going really good. It's going really good. We were just talking about possible uh, Vegas Golden Knights that would be on the move uh, coming up this summer. And Cody Glass is currently tearing up the AHL playoffs. Is it possible? Now, you know Eakin has the 3.85 hit. But Eric Hall, in my mind, has been the guy that would come in at the, I think, $2.2 million cap hit and play that third-line center in order to make enough salary cap space available for Carlson and to to fill out the rest of the roster, frankly. Um, Eakin and Halla, if the, if the organization believes that Cody Glass can come into the NHL next year and play third-line center, which, which he might be proving right now that he's able to do, we could see a Gusev glass tuck third line backing up those first two lines that's going to make vegas a pretty dangerous squad if that's the route they decide to go no well if glass uh as you said if he turns out to be uh you know all, all that that you think he can be uh yeah i'm gonna sound like an army ad i think that's what that used to be back in the <laughs> be all you can be <laughs> yeah um <laughs> my apologies to the u.s army for stealing their slogan um but uh no if, if cody glass can prove himself at the nhl level i mean that that's a possibility but of course uh you know tearing it up uh in junior is one thing being able to translate that into the into the nhl i mean that's another it could take him some time but uh you know, there's no question they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to shed some salary both to make room for for William Carlson and uh, you know as you said perhaps to make room for for Cody Glass and uh, for her, you know as you said fill out the rest of the roster. And you mentioned uh, Cody Eakin. He's he's come up uh, more more than once uh, in in, in uh, trade speculation. Of course, he, he's making over three three point eight mil a season. Well, I think just for for I think he's got one season left on his contract now, but still three point eight. Um, Ryan Reeves, they could move him out as well. Um, he's close to three mil, I think, between two point five and three mil. Is, or he's got a year left, I think, too. So that's a guy that could be on the move as well to free up. But we're also hearing that uh, Colin Miller um, that he could end up uh, getting shopped. And I think of the three, he might be the most uh, desirable uh, trade chip that they'd have of those three if they're going to move them. Um, you know, I think he's what twenty six or twenty seven. Um, I believe he's a right-hand uh, defenseman. He moves the puck well, yeah. and uh, he's making I think around three eight to four mil a season, something in there. And he's got I think three years left on his contract. So, uh, you know, that type of defenseman at that age, and of course we all know right right shot defensemen are very popular uh, around the NHL right now. So, uh, yeah, Miller, Eakin, and uh, maybe Ryan Reeves could be uh, could be on the move. Maybe two of them, depending on how much cap room you need to free up. Would it make sense in in your mind for because you're going to have David Clarkson's money off the books next season, yep. and William Carlson is 
arbitration eligible this time around. Does it make sense to just go ahead and do the arbitration, lock him up for this year, and have that money available next year to lock him up for the next eight years at at a higher number um, if you can't get a long-term deal done this season? Well, I mean, you, you you can go that route. I think it's preferable to avoid that because arbitration, as we know, I mean, that can be rather rather bruising to the ego uh, if you're a player to have to sit in there and, and listen to a team basically list all the reasons why they don't think you're worth what you're seeking. Um, I think that uh, that's something that um, – that uh, the, the the Golden Knights would prefer to avoid. Um, one thing I would also wonder as well, um, if they might perhaps look at packaging uh, Clarkson's rights uh, to a team, say like the uh, the Ottawa Senators, that needs to reach the cap floor. Uh, that way you're not having to wait till the start of the season to put him on long-term injured reserve. That frees it up automatically, and you know maybe you could convince him to to take, you know. To uh, to accept maybe six mil a season if you you've cleared five point two off your books right off the bat. So yeah, um, the one problem yeah. with that, and and Chris points this out too, is that he still holds a no movement clause, and Vegas has no state tax. I don't no think that's tax. an issue. I don't believe that is an issue anymore. <laughs> he held that no movement clause with his previous clubs too. That was not an issue, and it won't oh, be now. Okay. He's getting paid. So yeah. I, I'm sure if they call him and say, "Yeah, we're going to ship your rates to Ottawa," he will have no problem with that. So, uh, all right, all right. Well, let's get into some of the other teams around the league, and and notably, um, the Leafs and Tampa are are looking to be in, in just the same or maybe even worse cap space than the Vegas Golden Knights going into the season. Uh, what are you hearing on the on the Maple Leafs and the the Tampa Lightning fronts? <laughs> well, as you can imagine, I mean, there's there's a lot of conjecture about what they're going to do because you're right. Uh, both clubs, uh, they've got limited cap space and they've got uh, significant players to sign for the Lightning, obviously, Braden Point, um, for the Leafs, of course, uh, Mitch Marner. So, yeah, they are going to have to shed salary. Um, of course, we're hearing a lot more about what the Leafs might do than obviously what the Lightning could do, given given their respective markets and the, the type of coverage the Leafs get. Um, right. Yeah, but for the Leafs, uh, obviously, um, you know, they're, they're going to have to move some salary off the books right away. Um, because Marner, you know, regardless of what he gets, I mean, I've heard some Leafs fans were kind of wishful thinking that he'll take a hometown discount and get eight mil a season. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> um, he could end up getting 11 mil. Regardless of what he gets, where they are at right now, um, Whatever he signs, that's going to push them over the over the cap automatically for for next season. If the cap's eighty three mil, it'll they'll be over. So they got to shed salary right away. So guys like Nazem Kadri, uh, they're getting mentioned. You know, he makes about four point five mil a season, and uh, given his his playoff meltdowns and suspensions, there's mm. you know he's got pundits saying okay they they can't trust him anymore and they they should move him out. Um, the big issue, too, I mean, uh, uh, guys like Casper uh, Kapanen and Andreas Janssen, they're also restricted free agents. But, you know, even if you trade them, uh, right now, I mean, they haven't signed for anything. So you're still stuck with this cap conundrum that you're facing. Um, 
you know, there's there's talk of trying to convince uh, Patrick Marlowe to waive his no movement clause. You know, there's 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 some Leafs that, that Leafs fans who who seem to think, well, maybe he might accept going back to uh, to San Jose. That's making the assumption San Jose wants him back, and they don't. <laughs> you know, so right? They, no, they don't. They, he he no longer fits into their game plan. Um, that ship sailed. So unless he he's willing to open up to go somewhere else. And I, at this stage in his career, um, I know he's only got a year left on his contract, but given how much it costs, well, what his cap hit is, which is over six mil, uh, there may not be much of a market unless you're willing to package him with something really good. So, well, I'll tell you, you, I'll know, tell you what, see... real quick. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. If Marlo has a referee sweater in his closet, San Jose had taken back in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> meow, sir. Meow, I say <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Um <laughs> But um, no, but I, I I really don't see Marta going anywhere. So you, now you're you're also starting to hear people suggest, well, you know, perhaps they could also move out William Nylander. But given everything they went through last year to get Nylander resigned, um, and you know Kyle Dubas basically uh, pretty much promising that as long as he's the general manager, Nylander's not going anywhere. Um, I you know they're. I, I don't see him moving, so I think it's got to be Kadri who goes, and I think they got to look at moving out somebody else who's salaried. I don't know who. Maybe they pull a swerve, and <laughs> maybe they'll pull a swerve and they'll trade Mitch Marner. And believe it or not, that's Whoa. even been suggested too. Um, I don't think they're serious about doing that either. But really, it, it's going to be very difficult for them for for Kyle Dubas to square that circle. Um, in terms of the Lightning, it'll be a little easier. Um, Braden Point isn't going to make as much as Mitch Marner um being in a in a playing in a state where there's no tax no state tax um if they offer him 8 mil a season that means that's a full 8 mil a season to him so i i wouldn't be surprised if they get Braden Point in for around 8 mil 8.5 mil a season and i you know they'll yeah they'll have to shed a contract but uh you know i've heard guys like Tyler Johnson mention but everybody who keeps mentioning him keeps forgetting he's got a full no trade clause and I really don't think they're keen to move him. I think the guy who could move is J.T. Miller. Um, he doesn't. He he lacks no trade protection. He's 5.25 mil a season. He's not a product of the Lightning system the way Johnson was. I mean, yeah, I know Johnson was a free agent signing uh, out of college, but he still came through their system. Um, same as same as like Alex Kalorn. Alex Kalorn was a draft pick. He he's been mentioned as a trade candidate but again full no trade and i really don't think they're keen to move him whereas jt miller they acquired him in in the ryan mcdonough trade so if there's a guy to move i think it's him that'll certainly help a lot let me go ahead chris yeah hey lyle good to have you back on the show so uh my pleasure you know you know pretty much pretty quickly i should say after the dallas stars got eliminated you started to see in various places of the possibility of Jamie Ben being on the trade market this offseason, which seems hard for me to believe. But then when I heard Elliot Freeman talking about it, uh, based on the earlier incident earlier in the year with one of the people in the ownership group, I mean, is this a, in your opinion, is this a real thing uh, that Ben could could be uh, could be moved this offseason? Well. Uh... First, to, to, to Elliot Freeman's point, I mean, I, I don't think Elliot was really saying that this was going to happen. Um, right. You know, he, br- he brought it up sort of in the context of 
the stars moving forward, and of course, obviously mentioning uh, you know the uh, Jim Lighties, who who was who's the the star CEO, giving Ben and Tyler Sagan a blast at midseason for what he considered to be poor performance. Um, but honestly, I don't see that happening for a, for one very simple reason. First of all, uh, three words: no movement clause. It's right. full. It's ironclad. You would have to want to go. Yeah. Exactly. And there is no indication, regardless of what happened with Jim Lighty in his comments, there's no indication that Jamie Ben wants out, that he doesn't like it there anymore because, oh, the CEO was mean to me. <laughs> you know, he's not moving any more than I see Tyler Sagan moving. Same thing. Full no movement clause. Um, this guy's your captain. Um, if, if you're going to ship him out, I think that sends the wrong signal. I mean, he, you know, he, he played well for them again in the postseason. I mean, I know that, uh, that Elliot brought up the fact that, well, his, you know, his point production's down. Um, he may be feeling, you know, kind of the, the effects of, of years of his physical play. This is a guy who had 10 points in 13 playoff games. You know, it seems that when the playoffs hit, this guy hits a, hits a switch and goes into beast mode. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, okay, he had a bit of a down year, but I really don't think that uh, they're looking at trading him. I mean, he's only a year removed from a 79-point season as I look at his stats right now. Um, this was a down year for him, sure, but there could be a lot of different reasons why. Maybe he's nursing an injury that nobody knows about and that they don't want to make aware. Who knows what the reason is? Maybe there's personal factors in there, whatever, but in terms of performance, in terms of leadership, I, I don't put any stock in, into him getting moved, uh, to be quite honest, unless he wants out. Well, if he was ever available, I, I bet you that Lou Lamoureux would be very interested in him. And, and, oh, a and lot of teams way, would be very interested yeah. in him. <laughs> Line uh, forms to the left, Lou. <laughs> right. right. Well, a combination of Ben and Barcel would sound pretty enticing. But um, yeah. you segueing that point onto the Islanders, I think this – it's going to be they're a pretty fascinating team. Obviously, they got four. Well, I would call them three big free agents, but let's call them four: in Andres Lee, Brock Nelson, Robin Leonard, Jordan Eberle. But the Islanders are also in a place in terms of uh, a lot of flexibility regarding their salary cap, so they can sign you know two or even three of these guys and still have room to make a couple more moves. And they have assets to trade. Lou is willing to trade his first-round pick at the, at the trade deadline. They, they're deep on defense, uh, both on the main roster, in the prospect pipeline, as well as in the AHL. So Lou's got, he's got some chips uh, if he wants to put them in the table. So I think he could be active on the trade front as well. How do you see the Islander all season? Well, I mean, I think you pretty much covered it. Uh, <laughs> um, regarding their free agents, I think Anders Lee stays. Um, listen, they, you know, they already saw one captain uh, leave a year ago through free agency. I don't think Lou wants to a repeat of that. Um, yeah, Lee wants to stay. Lamarillo wants to keep it. Money isn't the issue from what I've, I've heard and, and read. Money isn't the issue. It's, it's term. Uh, he turns 29 in July. And I yep. believe that Lou, uh, now again, none of us really know what Lou's got, got, you know, got in mind, but, um, the speculation is is that Lamarillo doesn't want to give him more than five years. I think Lamarillo's fine with five years. 
but anything beyond that, I think, kind of makes him nervous. And then, justifiably, I mean, once a player yep. hits their mid-30s, yeah, I mean, performance inevitably declines. So if you sign him for five years, that takes him up to age 34. You can revisit then at that point if he's if he's worth keeping on a, on a two- or three-year deal after that. Um, but I think he stays. I think they'll get that worked out. Um, recent speculation, I think it was you, you mentioned Elliot Friedman earlier, and I believe yep. in his recent 31 Thoughts column, he had, he had mentioned that uh, uh, the Islanders and Nelson are, are working toward a deal. So, uh, you know, I think it looks good that he'll be staying around. Um, Robin Lehner is a Vezina Trophy finalist. Um, I, you know, the Islanders took a chance on him. They they stuck by him when when uh, you know he he had the, you know the the you know the uh, the interview there last summer where he admitted he had sought treatment for addictions and for bipolar. Um, he rewarded them with it with just an impressive season, and I think Lamarillo is going to keep him, and I think Laner wants to stay. I you know it's it's going to be costly. I mean you're not going to get him for 1.5 mil a season again. But um, you know, if if Lamarillo can get him locked up before the award show, you know that might help. Uh, that might help his leverage to get him at a more reasonable price. But I, I listen. I think if you can get him for five years, uh, six to six point five mil, uh, because let's face it, he's a Vesna finalist and he looked impressive. He was pro- arguably, I'd say, the main reason that the Islanders made the playoffs and got as far as they did in the postseason. So yeah, you know, Lou, I think will be comfortable in 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 paying him what he needs to to, to keep him there. Um, Eberly, I think, is gone. All consensus that I've read and heard is, yeah, he's the, he won't be back. He's going to be uh, hitting the free agent market. So they can afford to keep three out of the four, obviously. Anyway, well, they can afford all four if they want. But Eberly will be gone. The other three will stay. Um, and as you said, to your point, um, you know, Lamarillo is going to have a lot of cap space uh, to work with after that. I think he's going to look at trying to bring in uh, Artemi Panarin. Um, I don't, depending on how things go with, with Laner, I don't believe he's got interest in Bobrovsky. I think his, his full court press is going to be on Laner. Uh, but if you can't keep Laner, well then obviously, yeah, I think he'll, he'll, uh, go hard after Bobrovsky if he's available. And, um, yeah, I, I do think that he wants to try and bring in a, another scoring forward to kind of compliment Matthew, uh, Matthew Barsal. You know, you want to have a guy in there that just I, – I think it was um, the New York Post, Larry Brooks, put it best. You want to bring in an additional uh, an additional scorer in there to be on Barzal's line so that it'll – Barry Trotz can loosen those defensive reins a little bit because they play a really tight defensive system, as we all know. But, you know, that also resulted in a big drop in their in their production during the season. I believe they were 19th overall uh, in offense this season compared to being in the top – five last season so yeah if you can bring in another score and kind of bring a little more balance to the roster you'll see Barzal's numbers go up you'll see Lee's numbers go up and and yeah it'll it'll just make the Islanders a better balanced club that way before I hand right. off to Mark I'll give you one I'll give you one quick uh two quick stats about the Islanders and the desperate need to add scoring I actually finished I think 22nd but it, it, this trend continued go. in the playoffs mm-hmm. uh Lyle when the Islanders scored at least three goals in the regular season, they went 38-2-2. and yep. Now, when they did it in the postseason, they went 4-0. and mm-hmm. In the Carolina season, they didn't score three goals in any game. And yep. believe it or not, this is a really hard statistic to believe. In the regular season, the Islanders were a 103-point team. Mm. But in, their, in the 82 games, they scored one goal or were shut out 
in 21 games. That's a yeah. quarter of the season. And mm-hmm. so to, to to emphasize of how much of just even getting one premium player offensively and to be able yeah. to stick to Trotz's DNA uh, could work wonders for them. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why, as I said, that's that just buttresses the point that I've been that I've been saying that yeah, they're going to go. I think Lou's going to go after another scoring forward, you know, to uh, to, boot, to boost those stats and uh, yeah, just just to give them better balance, you know. And I think we that definitely came to the fore in the Hurricanes series. Now, against the Hurricanes, I think that long layoff they had didn't help. I mean, their timing no. just seemed off so much. Uh, and that's it compared to the to the Penguin series, but yeah, um, you've got to have better balance on those scoring lines. So um, yeah, that's why I say uh, you know Nelson, Lee, and Laner stay. Everly goes, and they go shopping via trade or free agency to bring in a scoring forward. Well, all right, we're talking with Lyle Richardson from Specters Hockey on the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and you mentioned you mentioned Panarin and Bobrovsky. And at the trade deadline, Florida, you know, widely publicized, they were clearing cap space because they're going hard after both both of them. Um, realistically, does Florida in, in in the game, I guess you would say, with Panarin and Bobrovsky both, or who would be the favorite in your mind to go to Florida? Oh, I think it's I think it's the, the Panthers are are to, to to quote your president, they're they're huge favorites, huge. <laughs> Huge favorite, huge favorite. Uh, the best of all time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> They're going to hire the best people. But yeah. uh, <laughs> no, nah, but but honestly, yeah. Um, I don't think it's any secret. Uh, the Panthers have been very keen on those two since midseason. They 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 sent out trade feelers back before the deadline. Before uh, the Blue Jackets said no, we're going to keep them as own rentals. They looked seriously into into both of these guys. Um, you know, of the two, Bobrovsky is their priority because they aren't going anywhere without an improvement in net. You know, Roberto Luongo, bless his heart, you know, he, 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 you know, the will to win and to play is still there, but the body just isn't there anymore. You know, physically he keeps breaking down. He's 40 years old and he's past it. Uh, James Reimer, he's proven himself a, a reasonably decent backup, but he's no starter. I think that myth has been shattered once and for all. And yeah. uh, the youngster Montembeau, um, he has potential, but I, he's not ready for prime time yet, in my opinion. So they have got to bring in an established starting goaltender, and Bobrovsky, I think, is the guy. Um, if they can't get, get Bobrovsky, if Robin Lehner's available, I think they'll go hard after him, too. But uh, definitely, definitely need uh, Bobrovsky. Panarin, I'm, I, I think Panarin is a luxury they don't need because hmm. they finished 10th in scoring last year. I mean, Jonathan Huberdeau had a fantastic year. Alexander Barkov is, in my opinion, the most, un- is the most underrated two-way forward in the game. He yeah. is just fantastic. Yeah. If he played in a bigger market, you know, if he played in a place like Toronto and New York, people wouldn't shut up about him. You know, and justifiably, yep. he's that damn good. Uh, but they've got Vincent Trocheck. Yes, he was hurt this season, but he had a 70-point season the year before that. You know, Mike Hoffman just came off a 70-point season. Uh, they've got uh, promising kids in in their system as well. This is a team that had no problem scoring. They couldn't 
prevent goals. <laughs> you know, um, their their defense. They need another top four defenseman. Yeah, they've got Yandel, they've got Ekblad, they've got Matheson, sure. But after that, the depth just drops significantly. So I would steer away from Panarin and put more of an emphasis on going after a quality defenseman, a top four defenseman there. Um, if you've got enough room afterwards and you want to go chase after a score, fine. But I'm just saying what I would do in that instance, though. You know, Dale Talon, you know, as we've seen, he has a reputation for making big moves. Some of them you go, ooh, good one, and some of them you go, what the hell was that? So, <laughs> yeah, but I definitely think, though, yeah, they're, they're, they're the favorites for both of those guys. Well, stick, sticking with Columbus now, um, we saw the, the – I mean, I, I saw the whole hockey world and myself included go from the trade deadline and what the hell is he doing to sweeping Tampa Bay out of the playoffs and going, I want to see more GMs roll the dice like that. And, it, you know, it was a 180-degree flip. Um, if if Panarin and Bobrovsky are gone, it makes sense for them to move them for whatever pick they can get because they don't have any picks. They have, Their first is in the in the fourth round, I think, and then they have a seventh. So if you can get a third each for trading both those guys' rights, they're not going back to Columbus. So I look for that to happen. And mm-hmm. then I agree. Now with Kekaline needs to shift his sights on Matt Duchesne. What what are the? He seemed to be open to staying in in a lot of his public comments during the playoffs. Is that is that a match that you think Kekaline can finish up, off a deal and, and keep Matt Duchesne? Oh, I believe he can keep him, but he's going to have to pay for him. And Duchesne Duchesne's agent is going to you know Duchesne has the leverage here. Because, look, we know Panarin and Bobrovsky are gone. And like you said, I can see them trading trading their rights, you know, uh, to interested teams. You know, <laughs> you know got to do Florida. it. <laughs> yeah. Even you if get you a get a thir- two-thirds or, or a third and a Absolutely. fourth or whatever, got to do it. Absolutely, because he he cleared out the cupboard to bring in Duchesne and, and Zingle and – and we also forget about Adam McQuaid and uh, right. Kevin Kincaid, but yeah, or Keith Kincaid, sorry, but yeah, they, uh, yeah, they, they gutted a lot of their future uh, this year to make those moves, and you know, so you, you know, you've got to resign Duchesne now. You've got to, otherwise, you risk losing him for nothing, and you got little to show for it. Um, so I think you're going to push, and I think, yeah, it's probably going to cost nine mil a season. Maybe a little more, but I think they'll. I think his age. I think Duchesne's agent will put the squeeze on, and it'll be like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. You know, Matt wants to stay nine mil a season for eight years. Do you do it? I don't think he got much choice now. I think he's gonna have to swallow hard and take that. But, yeah. You know, but if he if, if he'll he if he'll stay, I I think yeah. that is the best the best move. Not only probably for the team, um, yeah. because he fits in real well there, but. To, to keep one of those big three, and, yep. and Duchesne comes in first line center, um, I, I say Keckline has got to be off the hook <laughs> after yeah. the playoff the playoff run, and then you re-sign Duchesne. I say good for you. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to. And as you said, he was a good fit there. 
Um, in that way, in that regard, they were able to then, uh, you know, keep, they can keep Nick Foligno at left wing, which is where he belongs, because the, the whole reason why they went after Duchesne in the first place is because they had that uh, that hole at center. They tried using Nick Foligno in there, and but he's Nick Foligno is not a is not a not, not a center. A, a, a center. He's just not. Yeah, he's better at left wing. Yeah. So they've got no choice. They're going to have to. And if they don't re-sign Duchesne, um, mm. I think the Nashville Predators are going to go hard for him. Um, though they'll have to shed salary first to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, because they've got limited cast. But they need, you know, the, the Predators need a score, another scoring forward, uh, preferably at center. Um, the Montreal Canadiens, I think, will go after Duchesne. I mean, yeah, the Habs got some promising young centers coming up there. I mean, Kakanyemi was just you know, a revelation this year. Um, you got uh, Ryan Paling and Nick Suzuki is just, you talk about guys that are tearing it up in junior, Nick Suzuki just had an incredible year um, in the OHL. Um, you know, I know Habs fans are drooling <laughs> over these kids, but, you know, I, I do think, though, that, uh, you know, Mark Bergevin will, will definitely try to get uh, Duchesne if he's available. And there's even talk that, you know, Duchesne might even be open to returning to the Ottawa Senators. I know people are incredulous over that, but he's from that area, okay? You know, he trains there in the off season. He's, he's from that area. He likes it there. Um, now, whether, <laughs> whether the Senators could bring him back or whether that ship has sailed, I, I personally think that ship has sailed. But there you are, but it, it's been mentioned as a thing, so... You know, you can't rule that out. But, yeah, if Duchesne hits the market, there's going to be plenty, plenty of teams that are going to line up to get him. So, you know, yeah, I I think the Jackets are going to push hard to, to keep him in the fold. Okay, Lyle, I got two more for you, and I'll let Mark finish up with one last one for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Carlson, mm. does he re-sign with the Sharks? And the second part of that question is, if the Sharks were to win the Cup, mm. would that change – Carlson's mentality in terms of re-signing? Will that change anything from a Carlson point of view of re-signing with them or from a San Jose point of view uh, in terms of signing him to a long-term deal? Well, I think that's going to come down to what his asking price is going to be. Um, you know, I don't doubt that he likes it there, and you know, he's proven to be a terrific fit there when he's healthy, and that's also going to be a factor. Um, that that's actually come up now uh, quite a bit since uh, you know since he wound up uh, spending most of the third period on the bench last night in obvious discomfort. Uh, perhaps his groin injuries flare back up again. But um, yeah, Carlson. Uh, all the talk going into this summer, or going into this season, was that he was going to be eleven or twelve mil a season, and maybe he might still be that if he hits the open market this year. If he is, then forget about it. The, the the sharks can't afford them at that price. They just can't um, because I think they're gonna they're gonna resign. Uh, you know they want to resign uh, Pavelski. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they want to keep uh, Joe Thornton around again for another year. Maybe they could hang on to Gustav Nyquist. They got to resign Timo Meyer. I mean he's a restricted free agent. Uh, you know coming off entry level, but I mean he's boy that kid's gonna be due for a raise. Um, yeah. Yeah, no question. Uh, his handball technique is fantastic, by the way. Just incredible. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I kid. I kid Timo Meyer and the Sharks. <laughs> but anyway. He got yeah, an assist but, on that, by the way. 
Yeah, I know. I know. What's, nice more, what's more embarrassing, the fact that the uh, the on ice <laughs> officials missed the obvious hand pass, or that they credited him with an assist? And go. No. <laughs> yeah. Don't start me up now. Let's not let let's let yeah let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> well, here's here's my thought on on Eric Carlson is that yeah, so we all thought that yeah I mean he had to wait till the day after the trade deadline I believe to sign his max deal uh, because of the mm-hmm. CBA. We yep. all thought that that was going to be a done deal. And yep. and the longer it went on, the longer it went on. To me, it seemed like, A, Eric Carlson was pulling back, or, or B, when he when he did get injured during the regular season, that the Sharks were yep. pulling back. And now mm-hmm. um, he's had a great playoffs. Yep. His stock, you know, your biggest, availabil- or your, your biggest ability is your availability, to, to yep. quote Golik and Wingo there. And, and if he doesn't have that, then I don't think he goes at 11. And the three no. teams that were super hot and heavy at the trade deadline, Dallas, Tampa, and the Vegas Golden Knights, are out of the running due to the cap. I, th- I yeah, think exactly. it's going to be a limited market if he does, in fact, hit the market. Um, mm-hmm. And, and he, I think he wants to play with a winner. Yep. So it's it's going to be Eric Carlson going to be one of the more interesting players to me to see what happens in the off season, because we all expected that to be done as soon as possible. And the longer it went on, the more thoughts in my mind that one side or the other was kind of pulling back and, and let's wait and see what happens in the playoffs in the off season. So Eric EK is going to be interesting to see where he ends up to say the least. I agree with you. I, I think, yeah, that's that I, I, I can't disagree with that take at all. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, look, he's obviously a high-level talent when he's healthy. But you know, as you saw, I mean, he he uh, he did he he wasn't quite up to speed that last season after he came back from from off-season surgery. Um, then he said the groin injuries this year that that's limited him. Um, you know, if if he's willing to accept, um, let's say eight or nine mil a season, even on, let's say, another one-year deal, if they sit down and say, look, you know, you've had your injuries and so on and so on, you know, you know and we know that your value is not going to be as high in the free agent market, you know, this summer as it, you know, as it would have been. If you stick with us for another year or two at, at the same money you're making now or maybe a little higher, that'll boost your, your value higher, and then, you know, maybe you can get that big deal you want. You know, so, so that's a possibility. Um, but to your point, yeah, I don't think that the market is going to be as great uh, for him this summer um, as it was, as we would have thought it was would have been a year ago. It's because of all the cap issues that you talk about, but also his health issues. If they win the cup, who's to say Doug Wilson doesn't say, thanks, Eric, you know, you, you did what we wanted. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, thanks very much. Because once you win a cup, your fan base will – Forgive you any trespasses you make the fall of that during the off season. You know what I mean? And if you decide, and it was worth part- giving up all the draft picks because you yep. won the cup. Yeah. So you that was the guys look- you won. That's what it's all about. And it's like, yeah, your your fans will take that and accept three or four, or even five years of pain after that because you got a championship banner you can point to in the rafters and say it was worth it. You know. So yeah, it, it's it, you're right. His his is That's going a good to be point. much more intriguing than a lot of us thought it was going to be when this whole thing began. My last one for you, Lyle, and I'll let Mark finish uh, one more after me. And 
based on, you know, going uh, what we've been talking about, it seems to me, now I preface this because in past years I've said this statement and it's come up as a disappointment, but it seems to me that we could have a very robust trading season in mid to mid-June leading into the draft or right after the draft. We have a number of teams, as we prefaced before, up in a salary cap crunch. We have a number of teams that want to address needs that have flexibility, like such as the Islanders. There's a number of teams out there that want to take that big next step, uh, like Vancouver. There are a number of teams where they have a brand-new GM and they want to have a maybe not a whiteboard mentality or something like that, like Ken Holland in Edmonton. And then you have teams like Minnesota who maybe want to try to turn the page on certain things. Do you expect a robust trading season this off season with all those kind of balls in play, if you will? Yeah, yes, yes, I do. I mean, I, I'm like you. I mean, we always tend to think, well, every off season is going to be busy. And summer, um, last last season was was last summer was busy, but it kind of also surprised us, and I think maybe disappointed us a little bit because we were expecting more moves than what we got. And then we hit uh, <laughs> we hit the the day before training camp, and and boom, Mark Pacioretty gets traded, and boom, Eric Carlson gets traded. So yeah, you know, um, we we can't give up as we discover. You can't give up on the off season, and to, you know, just because you don't see a lot of moves happen, uh, you know, in late June and early July. But, yeah, all the factors that you mentioned, I mean, just the number of teams that are going to have limited cap space uh, that are going to need to shed salary because they got guys to resign. Like you mentioned Vegas, you mentioned Toronto, you mentioned Tampa Bay. Just those three alone, those three teams have to make moves. They have no choice. Um, you know, if Nashville, if they want to get better, they're going to have to make moves, and that's why we've heard P.K. Subban's name come up because right. he lacks no trade protection. And, you know, Three years ago, I didn't expect Subban to get met moved. This surprised me because they need scoring punch, punch up front. They had the worst power play in the league, and that's oh, saying gosh. something. Yeah, their power play was the worst. And and they didn't awful. get a power play goal in the playoffs either. That's how bad it was. So David Poyle said there's going to be changes, and I believe him. And if it's going to be, you know, i got to trade one of my top four defensemen to bring in a scoring forward – Subban, I think, is your best bet. So you got to keep that on the hopper. Uh, but, yeah, there, there's clubs like that and, and the other issues that you mentioned. I mean, yeah, I, I think we could see a, a, a more, as you put it, a more robust trade market than we've seen in uh, previous summers. So re- real quick, Lyle, we we got about a couple minutes left. Uh, some, bi- okay. some big names out there and just your, just your thoughts. On uh, Skinner and Buffalo, you touched on Pavelski. I think both sides want to get that done. Myers, yep. Myers in Winnipeg, and and Zuccarello, Zuccarello looks like he'll be a a real good fit if Dallas can resign him. Do those do those three um, stay where they're at? Uh, Skinner and Zuccarello stay. Myers, depending on what happens with Jacob Truba. Speaking of guys who could get traded, yeah. um, I think Myers will be gone um, out of Winnipeg. Um, <sighs> yeah, yeah. I, I can mean, see him Skinner, in Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That'd be a good Don't, fit. I'm tell you, I'll tell you. If if I'm Dale Talon, I'm keeping a close eye on the Winnipeg Jets, on Truba and on Myers. And if there's an opportunity to grab either one, I go get them. Uh, a pre- yeah. the prefer preferably Truba. Truba would be the best one of the two to get, obviously. And Truba, I think he's. I think you know we didn't talk about him earlier, but I think he's a goner, guys. He's, you know, you look at that I contentious, agree. 
contract history. He's a year away from unrestricted free agency. He's got arbitration rights again this year. I don't think Shovel Day off and company want to go through this ringer again and have that uncertainty. And those – They'll do well. I'm sorry to interrupt for a while. They'll no, no, do well in a trade for him too. Uh, they'll yeah. do well in a trade for him, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And if you're Florida, you've got the depth to offer. You know, to you know, you got depth in young talent and prospects and pay, that you can offer, make a competitive offer for this guy. So you know, that's that's why I said, you know, if you're Dale Talent, sure, go after Bobrovsky. You know, Panarin, he's he's a luxury item you don't need. Focus on Truba. Go get Truba. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah. If if they somehow manage to resign Truba, and they've also and they're going to be resigning uh, Patrick Line and Kyle Connor, we both know this. Um, then yeah, I think Myers is gone. Um, with Skinner and Buffalo, they have they have no choice. They have to resign this guy, and they're going to have to pay him over nine mil a season. You know, you yeah. brought him in for a year. He cost you nothing. He really cost them nothing that was a that was the steal of the summer and you know he's got great chemistry with jack eichel if you don't resign that guy then you know you're sending the wrong message to eichel you're sending the wrong message to the rest of the team you're sending the wrong message to the fans you're telling them sorry we, you know, for what we're just not interested in maintaining a competitive team. And I know that's kind of a broad thing to say, but honestly, if you're not willing to shell out, when you knew damn well, when you acquired that guy a year ago that you were going to have to pay big to keep him, yeah, oh, then uh, you know, forget about it. Forget and, about and, it. and and let's let's say this: the fans in Buffalo, uh, fantastic. They've been yes. long side. I mean, they won the President's Trophy, I think, 2006, 2007, and yeah tore down the team basically after that and haven't sniffed anything since um, it's time to give something back for the fans. And if you need to pay him 10, then you pay him 10. I mean, he, he, he's dynamic on that club. And it just, I, I think it just matters whether he wants to, to spend eight years in Buffalo or not, because well, I, listen, they, they need to, sp- listen, he, he was willing to waive his no movement clause to go to Buffalo. He's, he was hot. he was excited about playing for them. He he reiterated that. And remember, he trains in south in uh, southern Ontario near Toronto. That's where he's from. So you're you're only you know an hour and a half up the road. Right? <laughs> you know, it's it's not that far away. So you know, I think if they I think if they offer him nine or nine five, he takes it. And I think they've got to. They have no choice. And regarding Zuccarello with the Stars, I mean, he was such a terrific fit with them. I think I again. He, yeah, and again, Dallas, it's in a state that you pay no state tax. If you offer him, now he's going to be 32, if he's not already, I believe he's 32 or he will be this year. If you offer him a three-year deal for the same money he's making now, which is 4.5 mil, I believe, um, if you offer him that kind of money a year, I think he takes it because that, that 4.5 mil is more than the 4.5 mil that he was making in New York. Absolutely. Yep. Vegas has that same. Uh, yep. You, you got to do the the tax math when you're when you're Why talking do you think about Mark contracts. Stone and was over the moon to resign with him. It wasn't just because a hundred percent. He was going to a terrific team and 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 all of that, and he was getting out of that freak show that was the Ottawa Senators. Ugh. But yeah, knowing that that much money was going to be yours, all yours. 
<laughs> and not going absolutely to attack, not going to you know we weren't going to kiss 30 or 40 percent of it away in taxes oh yeah yeah absolutely. that's a lot of money and it's a huge mm-hmm. consideration when let's say they traded him to the kings and you're in in california with the 42 percent tax bracket when you get over two million dollars um <clears throat> that's half of your money to the state now you got to pay your federal taxes 80 mm-hmm. percent of your contract's gone <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's going to be a lot of money gone. So, like I said, yeah, you know, that's that's another reason why why uh, you know players are going to look at Vegas and go, hey. I mean, a lot of it has to do with it, with uh, obviously with the team itself, with the great atmosphere, you know, that y'all have there. Ownership. And, yeah, of course, that's all of it. You know, part and parcel. Yes. I mean, you know, the Golden Knights in a very short period of time have already garnered a well-deserved reputation as a class organization. You know, it's a place that players want to come to to play. But you know, the fact that the money is your money, and that you're in a, they are you're in a warm weather climate, and all of that. Yeah, you know, that that factors into it too. Yeah, it's a perfect storm. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lyle. Well, thank you so much for joining us and giving us so much of your time this Saturday morning, sir. We always appreciate having you on the show. Um, always a pleasure, every, guys. Anytime. Everybody, go on Twitter at Spectres Hockey for all the updates um, up to and including the trade deadline and free agency. These guys are all over it, and Lyle's, Lyle's top of the charts in our, in our book. Well, thanks a lot, guys. You're top of the charts in mine, too. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You have a good thanks, rest Lyle. of your weekend. Take care, guys. All right. Lyle Richardson's from Spectres Hockey. Wow. I could talk hockey with that dude all day long. Yeah, I know. It just goes on and on and on and yeah. on, and it's wonderful, all of it. I'm not uh, – don't get me wrong. I, get, I We could spend all weekend doing a show with Lyle. That dude's fantastic. Uh, so you want to do a quick thought each on uh, the the uh, the conference, the East and the West Conference Finals? I'll take the East. <laughs> you you told me I couldn't – you told me I couldn't go on a rant today, Chris. So, <laughs> oh, right. Um, that's true. That's true. Kudos, ahead, kudos to the Carolina Hurricanes. They got past, um, you know, they get to the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, you know, tough series to get past Washington, and maybe they just um, left a little too much on the ice in the, in the previous series. And, and just, you know, their compete level was there. Their want to was there. Maybe they just didn't have it in the gas tank to get, to get past um, Boston, who I think, May, might now be the favorite to win win the Stanley Cup. Took his plane out of his mind. I, they showed his numbers the other night. It's twelve and five with a, a nine forty eight save percentage. I think um, just out of his mind. His, his numbers really look like Jonathan Quick from two thousand twelve. And and I you know I I think right now Boston has to be a favorite, and I'd love to see them play St. Louis in the final. Uh, I'll give you two quickies in terms of Boston, uh, Boston Islanders round one play great, get a ten day layoff. It did uh, no excuses, but you could see it they affected did. them. They lost that those first three games by inches. Uh, we can go on and on about that, but ten day layoff, then they get swept. Carolina sweeps the Islanders. They go into the Islanders season air pretty much right after the Capital series, uh, yep. a seven gamer. Sweep the Islanders, get a week off, and then get, get bounced by Boston, who basically go from the Columbus series right into the Carolina series. Yeah. Now, Boston that- is in the cup final 
with 10 it's days rest. It's going to be at least – it's going <laughs> to – is there an official date for game one yet? Have they announced that? Yeah, let me get it's it real quick. Probably, they, did, they did put that out. I, I was looking for that yesterday, and I couldn't find it. It's. I figured it was going to be around a week and a half before they play their next game. And granted that they've played a lot of hockey in the, you know since the playoffs have started, they could use two or three days off, but that's a lot of rest. So that, I'll just throw that out there. In terms of the Sharks and Blues, I said before, I thought the series was going seven. I still feel that way. But let me just say one thing. May 27th. I don't. Game one. Okay. Okay. So that's another so that's a, 10 days, give or take. Yes, yeah, sir. 10 day layoff, right? All right. So I don't care between now and game seven if the San Jose Sharks get the worst call against them that cost them a game in modern sports history. I don't want to hear one peep. Now, I'm not saying this from a place of hate. I'm not, you know, I'm an Islander guy, although I was not happy what I saw the other night from a uh, 30,000-foot perspective. Uh, You know, uh, the Sharks have gotten a lot of calls this postseason, from the Vegas series to the Colorado series to the St. Louis series. And what happened the other night was an abomination. How that can't be reviewed, I'm going to do a podcast alone on that. But having said all that, I think the series is really up for grabs. I think this is going to be – I really do think this is going to be game seven, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was an overtime situation. I really don't. I think it's I think it's an interesting contrast. Um, uh, you know, St. Louis is obviously a really strong road team. I think it's a flip of a coin uh, series. Um, so it, it should – I'll be interested to see – about I haven't read anything about it and I didn't get a chance to read up on Eric Carlson because clearly he didn't play the last number of minutes in game four and then right. they strolled him out there under when they pulled the goalie. But you could tell <laughs> trying to read body language, he looked a little gingerly out there. A I don't know direct. if something cro- Yeah, I don't know if something cropped up uh uh with him. Uh but I, I uh it will be interesting to see. I think uh I think you're going to get a good cup final either way. If you're going to get Bruins, Blues, or Bruins, Sharks, um, I, it's going to be a good cup final. But I think we'll go in seven and, and that. And, and uh, you know, next week is Memorial Day weekend. I believe we're going to do a 30-minute show previewing the cup final. So uh, that will be the plans for next week. Yep. And, and you know what? Okay. I, I want to see uh... – I want to see Logan Couture on a breakaway get tackled from behind and no penalty and no automatic goal rewarded. That's what, and I want to hear not one word out of, out of anybody about it. Yeah, they've gotten. I mean, look, I'm not trying to be like, but like I said. I mean, we talked about the the Vegas game seven. You know, obviously, we I don't think we talked about it a lot was the with all the different things going on, but Colorado, the offside goal that took and away a goal. That's horrible. And that, that's another thing that drives me nuts. And, again, I know we're trying to wrap up the show. So you're telling me if someone is one one-thousandth of a centimeter offside. You couldn't even that, tell you know, if he was on the blue reviewed. line. I didn't see no, any, that, any that definitive. That could be reviewed. That could be reviewed. But that's yeah. clear. <laughs> I mean, that leads to a hand pass. That leads to a goal. I mean, they really have. They have to. They have to clean the league after the season. Has to clean. Uh, the competition committee has to clean some of this stuff. Anytime a goal is involved, 
Uh, same thing with goalie interference where, oh, well, we called the penalty, so it can't be reviewed. Baloney. If a goal is involved, it, that other team should be allowed to have it reviewed, period, end of story, just like I'll the old you, side I'll, stick. Yeah, I'll tell you a story. A few years ago, um, Kings are in Detroit, and there's a deflection, and the puck goes up off the netting, comes back, hits Jonathan Quick in the back, goes in the goal. Referees lost sight of the puck, called it a good goal. And I, I want to say it was Justin Williams or Jarrett Stoll that was losing their mind pointing at the netting. It was out, it was out, and it was not reviewable. And that counted. I think that was the game quick. He made 51 saves and lost the game one to nothing in Detroit. I'm not sure if it's that game, but that was 2014. That's and they regular were going, season, right? Yeah, that's regular season. And they were yeah. going to the finals that year. And here's why the regular season matters. They, they, right. If Montreal had advanced into the Stanley Cup final, they would have held home ice over the Kings by one point. <laughs> so they lose that game on an off-the-netting goal. They would have also lost home ice advantage in the Stanley Cup finals. As it was, uh, I believe it was the, the Rangers that had, had beat Montreal in the Eastern yep. Conference final, and the Kings held home That's ice right. and went on to win the Stanley Cup. But there was one point difference in – whether that unreviewable goal would have meant home ice in the Stanley Cup Finals. It needs to get fixed. Yeah, no, I agree. That's, that's, like I said, if we're going to be reviewing offsides on a, on a millimeter, then I'm sorry, then, and not to review these other things is, is, is ridiculous. It's well, here's sure. the other thing that kills me. That, that, that player, Landeskog, at the time, is considered not on the ice because he's going no, to change. And, and if, it, if he was considered to be on the ice playing the game, it would have been too many men on the ice penalty. So if, right. if, if, basically he's an invisible man out there. He's not relevant right. to the play, and, and, but he still counts as an offside? That, that, it's ludicrous. Yeah, they, they, they've gotten, you know, look, the old expression, you make your breaks, but they've gotten a lot of big breaks <laughs> at big times. Huge breaks at big times. Boy, oh, boy. But like I said, I think game five is tomorrow. So, um, uh, yeah, that's going to be that's gonna be, uh, be interesting. Go Blues. Uh, interesting game. And keep keep an eye on that Bruin layoff. I would be it's a, good a point. little concerned. It's I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, but, you know, and I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all, but it, it does have an effect. You know, if, if, if you're dinged up a little bit, if a, a few extra days between rounds is a good right. thing. But, I, I mean, basically Boston's on all cylinders right now, right? They don't have any, any major injuries going. Um, right. th- that's, that's when uh, you start chomping at the bit, you get ants in the pants, and you want to get out there and play a little hockey. And, and no matter what, they're off till the 27th. So that's a good point you make. All right, sounds good. So we'll talk to everyone next week. It'll be a short show, but a good one. And uh, uh, Memorial Day everyone pen- Memorial Day special, sir. Yeah, and uh everyone pencil in June fifteenth for our big draft show. That's always a fun uh fun show. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Chris, we'll talk to you next week. This is the Vegas Hockey Hockey Podcast for Chris on Mark, and we're gone. <laughs> We'll be right back. 
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.